Thank you, Dave. <clears throat> it's great to be together and to, isn't it exciting uh, what God is doing and just to hear Sam's word to us into the men, in the midst of the worship and uh, just hearing that encouragement of who we are in Christ and what Christ has done, uh, that encouragement to affirm and encourage those who have been blessing us as leaders and those who continue uh, to bless us. It's just great um, to uh, be part of something where God is... Uh, touching and changing and transforming lives. And one of the um, things which uh, is very dear to my heart is the sense that where God is at work, where there's unity amongst God's people, that it's not something that is destroyed. And we all long for unity and harmony in our relationships, whether it's in our marriage, whether it's in our family, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's in our, um, in our church community, um, and even across our nation, we'd like to know that there is a sense of uh, minimising conflict and minimising not only across our nation, uh, but across the world. And we all long for those things. And one of the things that um, Sam has already uh, alluded to it in his word was that one of the things that is dividing uh, some Christians is even the issues as we navigate the current uh, world we live in, the current uh, pandemic that's happening, the things that we're asked to do. Sometimes that's a, an issue of division amongst God's people. It can be an, an, is a, an issue of division in the wider community. And we might be well asking, where, what is the way to navigate these kind of things, whether it be what I've just mentioned or any issue in the, in the life of the church, in the life of our nation or in the world? What are the things, what is it that is a way forward that gives us, a, uh, if you like, a compass uh, to, to navigate uh, these things? I know in America, um, there's something gone wrong amongst evangelical Christians. 30% of people who used to say they're happy to be evangelical Christians are no longer wish to be. Something has gone wrong amongst the community of God's people. And what we are saying and looking at in God's Word this morning speaks to the way forward, that speaks to us as God's people, uh, speaks to us as individuals, speaks to us as a nation, that we can know a way uh, to navigate these things. And the answer lies in the manifestation of God's kingdom in our hearts, in our lives, and in our nation and in the wider community. Unless God's kingdom is manifest more and more, then we are going to become more and more conflicted, more and more divided, more and more violence will erupt across our world to the extent that God's kingdom isn't uh, breaking in uh, more and more. A couple of weeks ago, I spoke about us being the bride of the Christ, how we look forward to that day where we're welcomed to the eternal banquet where uh, all things will be put right and there will be eternal harmony and peace and intimacy with God and that we're invited to that. And as we look forward to that, it shapes our lives. But this morning, I'm focusing very much that to remind us, and you, I know Dave's mentioned it and I know that I've mentioned it, there's a now and not yet of God's kingdom. A few weeks ago, I spoke about the not yet, what we look forward to and how that should motivate us and shape us and shape our lives. But also very much so, there is the now of God's kingdom. And God is longing for His kingdom to break out in your life, in your marriage, in your family, in your workplace, in your community and in our nation. And God is longing for those things uh, to happen. 
And that's what we are focusing on this morning. What does it mean in one small way uh, for God's kingdom to break into our lives and for us to live kingdom-shaped lives, not just as individuals, but as a community of people? What does it mean to be kingdom-shaped in the way we live and uh, relate together as God's people and who we are in the community? What does it mean for us uh, to be a kingdom people? And the invitation for the presence of God's kingdom to shape our lives is the answer to uh, inner conflict and struggles that we face in our own hearts. Whatever's going on, whatever issues you're dealing with, the kingdom of God that breaks into your heart will bring you peace beyond the struggles and whatever it is that is causing conflict in your own heart. The kingdom of God uh, is the answer to relationship breakdowns in families, uh, in friendships, uh, in the church, uh, and even across nations. And it points the way forward uh, in, in national conflicts when the principles of God's kingdom, when the presence and the truth of God uh, is raised up, then uh, we find a way forward and we know how uh, to navigate the issues that come our way, whatever they may be in our personal lives, as churches, or even uh, in the wider community. And I want to say to you this morning that that invitation to kingdom living now is an irresistible invitation because it is uh, the way forward. It is the thing that will keep us uh, living as God's people and expressing God's kingdom more and more uh, in in the world and in our lives. And Jesus uh, said um, that this kingdom is not of this world. It's not identified with any political party. It's not identified with left or right-wing politics. It's not identified with any authority on this earth. The kingdom that God brings influences and shapes different uh, aspects of earthly kingdoms, but it's not uh, any of those things. Uh, no one denomination is, is the kingdom of God. No one church, no one political party, no one allegiance, uh, non, no one way uh, that humans come up with it looking at life uh, is, is the kingdom of God. Jesus said you can't say here it is or there it is. It's something that is something, the work of the Spirit that we acknowledge and see in many different ways. The Spirit blows where the Spirit will and it can't be pinned down and put in a box so that it can't uh, spread and break out more and more in the world. And Jesus, uh, Jesus taught us to pray passionately for your kingdom to come and your will, meaning God's will, as we address the Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's will in your heart, in your life, in this church, in all the churches across the hills, in all the churches across Australia, in all the churches across the world, and even in all nations that God's will would be done. We pray for God's kingdom to become because it is uh, the way forward. And Jesus said that this kingdom is of unparalleled worth. It's something that no value, no, nobody can put a value on this kingdom. In Matthew 13, uh, verse 44, Jesus just in two or three verses summed up how incredibly valuable this kingdom is. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, cunning fellow, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. He saw something of great value 
And then he went off and uh, made sure that he was able to buy the field where that treasure was. And then again, Jesus said, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant, merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. He had seen the value, he had found the pearl and nothing was going to stop him uh, from purchasing and preserving and, and having that pearl as part of, of, of his life. Some of you or most of you are probably aware who, who know me, I've got uh, 14 grandchildren um, and uh, two or three of the, the young guys uh, love dinosaurs and uh, one of them, uh, he's only three or four years old, about a month ago, he, uh, he was out shopping uh, with, with his, I think his mum and dad were both there. And he saw this amazing, amazing torch. Now you might say, this is, where's this going? He saw this amazing torch, but the torch was quite special and he loved his dinosaurs. It had a dial where for six or seven different positions, you could project an image of a dinosaur on the wall, but that's not all. What you could do also, you could actually zoom the dinosaur and make it six or 700 millimetres uh, high, or you could zoom it down. And he said to his mum and dad, he loved torches, he loved dinosaurs, and he just said, I, I, mum and dad, I want that torch, will you buy it for me? And his mum and dad said to him, no, if you want this torch, you've got to buy it with your pocket money. Well, he didn't have his pocket money with him. He couldn't wait to get home. He went home, counted all his pocket money, counted every cent that he had. I think the torch was only about 14 or $15. He just had enough money. He emptied everything he had, all his pocket money, every cent, and the next day went back and bought the torch. He had fallen in love with something so much that he was willing to give all to buy that torch. And he even keeps it in a special place. And he tells Rebecca that this is my special torch that I gave everything to buy. <laughs> and uh, that's what it is like with God's kingdom. And I, something that really struck me that I think we need to hear because we can create a guilt trip church where we're all trying to buy the kingdom as if we can uh, create a reality that we haven't seen yet. But that God's kingdom isn't something you can make a great sacrifice to find. It's something you make a great sacrifice to preserve and to keep once you've seen it and realise how good it is. Once you know what God's kingdom is, once you've seen or experienced something of God's grace and love and His presence in your life, once you've known something of God's kingdom, when you sense the reality of what the kingdom is, God's intended way for us to live, then it's something that once you've experienced it, you will do anything to preserve it and to keep it a part uh, of your life. It's something you give your heart, mind, soul and strength uh, to, to just with great joy to, to enter into it and preserve it, whether it be in your own heart, whether it be in your family, whether it be in the church or workplace, when you know the reality of God's kingdom and the way that God's calling you uh, to live and the, and the reality of his presence, it's something that you will give, not because you must, not because some preacher gives you a guilt trip, but because you know it is such a wonderful and powerful thing, you'll give every, anything to preserve it in your life. So what is this kingdom? 
We've touched on it a little in the worship songs and in what Sam shared and as we thank people and affirm their servant heart and the things that they've been doing as an expression of God's kingdom in their lives. Uh, Marion and um, Angela and all the others, are, um, I've, gone, I've gone and named names and I'm going to run out of all the names that I should be naming. But all the team, everybody that's uh, serving, uh, have got servant hearts and uh, serving in God's kingdom. Um, then uh, we've seen and we know something of what God's kingdom is is in in our midst. But we're asking the question, um, what is this kingdom and what's it look like? How does it manifest more and more? It's a good job I have my Bible here. Not so much, well, exactly for the reason I'm preaching from God's Word, but it's going to keep my notes from, uh, although it'll be finished in about five seconds if I let the wind turn the pages. So it'll all be over by then. But So uh, if you want me to finish, just come and take the Bible off my notes and it'll all be done and dusted. What is this kingdom that breaks in and breaks the chains of conflict and heaviness in our hearts and restores broken uh, uh, relationships look like? We could look at many passages. We could look, Jesus told lots of parables about the kingdom. We could do a whole series on the kingdom of God. But there's one nugget of uh, truth and a summary of God's kingdom that I'm going to focus on in Romans, where Paul describes God's kingdom to a bunch of Christians arguing and dividing over eating meat to idols and looking down on each other and living in conflict. The kingdom of God was being, if you like, broken up and the reality of God's kingdom was being undermined by people uh, who had different views about eating uh, meat to idols and they were polarising and looking down and judging each other and causing division uh, in the church. And uh, they were accusing each other of being unspiritual and wrong in the sight of God. One group would have a conviction that you can't eat the meat offered to idols and they sounded so right and it would sound so spiritual and they were considering that that's the only way it could be. And others, uh, Paul talks about, he was quite open to say whose faith was stronger and who knew that Satan has no presence and power no matter whether the meat's been offered to idol or not and you can eat this meat. And he was, he was saying, well, in a sense, you are both right and you can both uh, act in what you believe God is saying for you to do. Uh, but don't let this be something that divides you as God's people. And let's read what Paul says to these people. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking and insert whatever issue might be bubbling in your heart that's causing you to feel distant from others or you're feeling judged by others. But the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification, because that's what the kingdom of God is, where we build one another up, where we encourage one another and strengthen one another. And Paul is very clear and strong. When people started to argue, however much they were convinced that they were right, he was saying, don't let your convictions divide the people of God. And uh, because to, to do that is to destroy or to undermine the kingdom presence amongst God's people. And just for a moment, we're going to look at what that looks like and how that kingdom uh, can become the way forward and the guide for us in our lives and for our church and for our nation. And first and foremost, this kingdom is surrender to the Lordship of Christ, 
those who are willing to have the humility to listen to another brother and sister who you might disagree with either on response to the pandemic or some theological issue that's not central to the gospel, those who will have the humility to do that are people who are surrendered to the Lordship of Christ. And we are all called uh, to... Is that God trying to hurry me up or is that just me moving my Bible? (laughs) We are called to surrender um, first and foremost, if God's kingdom is to be manifest amongst us more and more, we are called to be surrendered people, surrendered to Jesus, surrendered to his lordship in our lives and in the world. And this is the good news of the kingdom we proclaim, that as we surrender to the living God, surrender to who Jesus is, surrender to all that he taught and teach people to obey everything that he commanded, then God's kingdom is manifest more and more, not only in our lives, but in our churches and in the world. Secondly, the kingdom that Paul is talking about that was being undermined by people of conviction who were immature and dividing dividing and looking down on each other, Uh, The kingdom is uh, where it says the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The word righteousness is very much about um, right relationships and redeeming justice. Jesus himself and Sam's word as he read to us this morning reminded us of what Jesus has done, redeeming justice. He's done all that needs to be done to restore our relationship uh, with God. And that redeeming justice and that justice had to be done for us to renew our relationship with God. And I want to say this morning that in society, when justice is done in human relationships, it leads to peace. If there's no justice, there's no peace. Nations where there is turmoil is nations where there is no justice. Think about around the world when people cry out for justice and they aren't some political group who are out to destroy the world. They're people that if God doesn't hear it, if the world doesn't hear it from God's people, he'll raise up secular prophets who will cry out for justice, that there might be peace. And if there's no uh, justice, then there will be uh, no peace. And righteousness refers to socially just relationships between individuals. We need to treat each other with fairness and justice if we're going to have God's kingdom and his peace manifest more and more Uh, amongst us. When justice is denied, rightly so, people rise up in anger. And uh, we see, if you like, just in recent uh, months uh, in America, where people denied that there was any justice, people went onto the streets because they're not that all those people were motivated in the right way, But where there was injustice, there was turmoil. And Jeremiah insists that unless there is an end of oppression, greed and violence in social relationships, there can be no shalom, no wholeness, no peace, no kingdom of God. However much the false prophets say, peace, peace, there will be no peace if God's kingdom and his justice and his righteousness is not manifest. And that righteousness includes ethical behaviour living in ways that God has intended uh, for us. And this was uh, Paul's appeal to people who were conflicted and in conflict about meat offered to idols. This isn't the real issue, your relationship. The, the issue of conflict was whether I'm right about offering to idols or whether I'm right about a response to the pandemic and whether I'm right or wrong uh, and you have a different view, the real issue is, your, is our relationship and attitude to, other, uh, to each other is the kingdom priority. God's kingdom is focused on relationships and, uh, and, and, and is the kingdom priority that is what we need to keep in our focus. 
And this kingdom is a kingdom, all these are not siloed, they're all, all integrated together. This kingdom is righteousness and it's peace or shalom with uh, the word that the Hebrew uses and the word righteousness can be tra- translated shalom or justice. It's just a, the same word for righteousness is another, word, another way it could be translated is justice. And, a, and particularly the peace that Paul's focusing on here is peace in relationships. God's kingdom manifest in the way we are relating uh, to uh, one another. And it's experienced, uh, this uh, shalom and this peace uh, is experienced and it, it implies uh, well-being physically, psychologically, socially and spiritually. It flows from all of one's relationships being put right with God, within yourself and uh, with those around you. And as we... Uh, And that whole uh, shalom and peace, which is an expression of God's kingdom, which he is weeping over the world. He's weeping over the church that the longing for his shalom and peace and wholeness to enter into all relationships, first of all, amongst God's people, secondly, uh, in, in the world. He weeps over the world for this shalom and wholeness and his kingdom to break, uh, to, to, to break in. And first and foremost, the seed of that kingdom is peace with God. First and foremost, if you're going to be an agent of God's kingdom in the church, if you're going to be an agent of God's kingdom in the community, if you're going to be an agent of God's kingdom in the workplace, you need to be at peace with God. You need to know the shalom and the wholeness and the presence of God in a way that is shaping your attitude of grace and humility and, and surrender to God. And that, that is the seed and the beginning of what it means for God's kingdom to break in. And that shalom, as we've been saying, is peace uh, with others. Um, and God, as we know and are at peace with God and our lives and our attitudes are transformed, then we will have attitudes that mean what we can be at peace with someone with a completely different view about lots of different things, whether it be issues of theology that are not uh, central to the gospel, whether it be the ways we respond to the pandemic, whether it be uh, attitudes and things that the way things should be done uh, in, you think things should be done in the home. Uh, it will, uh, that, it, the, the, God will manifest his peace if uh, in our relationships as we live in grace and humility with one another. And then uh, we need also, as we're at peace with God, and again, all these are all tied up together, is that we are at peace with ourselves. Shame destroys my peace. Shame destroys your peace. Conflicting thoughts and troubling yourself about different things will cause inner conflict. And God's shalom and his peace and his kingdom needs to be in, your own, in very much in your heart and in your life if you're going to manifest God's kingdom. In Psalm 4 verse 8, it said, Those who trust in the Lord have inner security, therefore they can sleep well. Isaiah 26, 3, perfect peace, profound psychological, emotional and spiritual peace to those who steadfastly set their minds on, on, on Him, on, on the living God. And the result of righteousness before God is peace. Uh, and this, the result of it will be quietness and confidence in your heart and, and forever. And knowing these things, the overall expression of that, the deepest longing of the human heart, and I'm sure different ones of you have experienced it, where you feel alienated and uh, from someone you love deeply. 
or you long to be loved, and when you know God's kingdom presence, when you know His love and His grace, and you're in good relationships and, and harmonious and peaceful relationships uh, where you're not creating conflict over unnecessary things, then you will, this kingdom will satisfy this deepest longing to know that you are loved, not only by the living God, but by your brothers and sisters, whether they even, even those who disagree with you can be people you can feel loved by. And as these things happen, Paul said, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And there's a twofold aspect of the joy uh, that I'm talking about. One, when, you, when the, God's kingdom is present more and more in your life and in your relationships, you will experience joy. You all know that when you feel the joy of a restored relationship or peace and harmony with someone maybe you had, had struggles with or even just you've, you're just enjoying a close friendship, there's a great joy. But I want to flip it as well. As you know, the joy of your salvation, the joy of God's presence that will be, if you like, the source and the power that enables you uh, to live and to be a kingdom person who expresses God's kingdom in your life. To know the joy of God's presence and His salvation is part uh, of the strength that, uh, that, that God will give you um, to, to be a kingdom influence and a kingdom person. But as I get towards the end of what I'm saying, I want us to know that Satan seeks to destroy God's kingdom and undermine God's kingdom. And I'm going to say some things that may challenge some of you uh, um, as, as I read this passage in Galatians 5, uh, 19 to 21. It says, Paul warns of the things that destroy God's kingdom in our life right now. He says, it's clear that our flesh entices us into practising some of the most heinous acts, participating in corrupt sexual relationships, impurity, unbridled, unbridled uh, lust, idolatry, witchcraft, and here's some that are just as bad, hatred, arguing, jealousy, anger, selfishness, uh, contentiousness, division, envy of others' good fortune. These are all equally uh, um, powerful in undermining God's kingdom. And uh, he goes on to say, envy of others' good fortune, drunkenness, drunken revelry and other shameful vices that plague humankind. I told you this clearly before and I tell you again, so there is no room for confusion. Those who give in to these things, says, will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I want, to, I want you to hear that is, we'll have no part in the kingdom realities now. So often people interpret that if you do those things, you're going to hell. I don't think this passage is talking about where you spend eternity. It's saying if you're doing these things, even Christians won't inherit, if you like. They won't enjoy and be able to be blessed by um, the things that are um, the, the blessings and the joys of God's kingdom if we do these things. It's not saying you're, you're where, about your eternal destiny. It's talking about not inheriting uh, God's kingdom. You're not going to know and not going to have God's kingdom manifest in your life. It's a word to Christians as much as it is to anybody else. And, uh, and we need to um, realise that our peace with God is undermined by these things as Christians. Our human relationships are undermined. These are all kingdom things that are undermined by these things. Our joy is destroyed by these things. 
Our sense of being loved is destroyed uh, by these things. And don't let Satan uh, rob you of any of these things uh, that God intends for His kingdom in your life right now, this moment, this day, and in the week and year ahead and the rest of your life. So as I uh, leave that challenge with you, that you live in kingdom reality in your own heart, in your own relationships, and work towards kingdom values uh, in our world. Let's uh, see others. Uh, Paul, in summarising how he said to uh, to get their act together when they're arguing over a simple, when I say, oh, I guess it was very, it would have been very significant to those who thought Satan was being brought into the church when they ate meat offered, offered to idols. But Paul gave a very clear way to work through uh, these this issue. And it, I believe it applies to any issue that would devoid, divide um, uh, God's people. And as I said before, it begins with our surrender to the Lordship of Christ, which brings us to a place of humility and grace towards others. Paul said, see others as a love brother and sister in Christ. He said, don't look down on the one who has a different view about about meat offered to idols. Don't look down on the one who says that you can't eat it. Don't look down on the one who says because of his faith that they can eat it. And value others, uh, no matter how much you disagree with them. In kingdom reality, you will value someone. If someone's a child of God, you cannot look down on them. You cannot uh, uh, not value them as a brother and sister who you love. And that's what brings about the kingdom in, in the church. It's what brings about kingdom realities in the wider world when we value each other as people who are created in the image of God. And the focus is in everything we do, not to win an argument. I have very, I have strong convictions about what I think is appropriate behaviour in response to the pandemic for the good of others and for the good of those around you, around me. But the important thing is that my focus is uh, on building up other people's faith, not winning an argument. I know when God's peace departs, sometimes I've laid awake because I've, I've shot my mouth off, I've said things with great passion uh, um, about it might be about response to the pandemic. It might be about politics. It might be about the church. And then I'll go to bed troubled. Not because the spirit, what I said was necessarily totally wrong, and sometimes it is, but because I'd said it with an attitude of looking down on a brother or sister. My focus wasn't on their faith. It was on getting them to agree with me. And God has called us to be people who listen and seek to understand others' point of view and to uh, hear God speak to us as, as we do that. And Paul said, and this is the one that may challenge some of you, Paul says it's not about your rights. He said those who, who uh, had faith in a way that it, they knew that they could eat meat offered to idols, he said, don't demand your rights. It's not about you walking roughshod over your brother whose weaker conscience won't let him eat it. Do what is right for your brother, not what you think is just, of course you have the right to do that. And Paul said, if we're going to have harmony, if we're going to fulfil and know God's kingdom in our churches and in the world, we don't go around demanding our rights. We go around living for the good of those around us. Paul had to rebuke those who were demanding their rights at the expense of others' spiritual uh, well-being. Our culture insists on rights and it's easy for Christians to bring that attitude in uh, to the church. 
But the spiritual health of the body is far more important. The freedom God has purchased for us through His Son is a precious gift, but it is a freedom to live as God wants, not as we want. Luther summed it up really well. Luther said in his book, The Freedom of the Christian Man, said a Christian is most uh, free Lord of all and subject to none. And a lot of Christians stop there and just think, well, I'm going to do whatever I like, whatever the government says, um, regardless of the fact that it's a health regulation. But Luther went on to say, a Christian is most free Lord of all and subject to none. But then he said, a Christian is a most dutiful servant of all and subject to all. The two are held in holy tension, that we walk in humility and grace, that we, yes, there are lots of things that are your right and you could claim them, but what's for the good of your brother and sister? What's for the good of the people in the community around you? And Paul uh, would challenge us um, in that area. Compare in the home. Paul, talking about marriages, said, Husband's body is not their own, it's her wife's, and the wife's body is not her own, it's hers. He's basically saying you have a right to whatever. But then he also made it very clear there's a higher ethic that reflects God's kingdom. It's not your rights, it's the good of your wife, it's the good of your husband, it's the good of your children, it's the good of your brother and sister. And so uh, that sense of seeking the higher ethic of what is right is good and loving for those around you. In the church, uh, you have rights, but it's the good of your brothers and sisters that is a higher ethic uh, that shapes our behaviour and attitude. Keep your convictions, hold to them, but make sure you're operating with that higher ethic of love and respect for all those who are God's people. In society, people claiming rights and marching on the streets. Sure, they have rights. Nobody's denying that. But there's a higher, less selfish ethic that is for the good of your fellow citizens. And so the Kingdom of God, the challenges of God's Kingdom doesn't deny rights, but it simply calls us to something more important and bigger. And that's Kingdom living, which is for the good of uh, society and for the good of our relationships with God. And so I like the freshness of how the message expresses the verse that we've been looking at this morning about righteousness, peace and joy. It says God's kingdom isn't a matter of what you put in your stomach and insert whatever issue you want to at that point, for goodness sake. It's what God does with your life that sets it right and puts it together and completes it with joy. Your task is to single-mindedly serve Christ. Do that and you'll kill two birds with one stone, pleasing the God of uh, above and proving your worth and value to the people around you. So let's agree to use all our energy in getting along with each other. Help others with encouraging words. Don't drag them down by finding fault. You're certainly not going to permit an argument over what is served or not served. Again, insert whatever issue you want to at that point um, um, to, that would wreck God's work among you. And Paul makes it very clear that that's his call to us. So that's the irresistible invitation to this morning, is to kingdom living, is to living in surrender to God and seeking the good of those around you and allowing God's kingdom to manifest more and more in your heart, in your relationships and in your community, wherever uh, that may be. And this morning, you may be struggling with... Uh, with knowing God's kingdom. You might be conflicted in your own heart about things and troubled and you need someone to pray with you just to 
assure you of a brother and sister who can affirm you and encourage you and pray with you. You may be struggling to value someone who you've come to almost despise because of their views about something. Maybe you want someone to pray with you about your ability to love your brothers and sisters. Maybe you struggle to seek as a primary focus the spiritual well-being of those around you. Maybe you struggle with letting go of your rights and damaging the good and the well-being of those around you. Then come during our final song and I'll hand over to the worship team. And as we worship together, then uh, just invite you. And um, if you feel you'd like to pray with people this morning, then feel free to come. And if you'd like someone to pray, no matter what it is, things I've mentioned or other things, that God's kingdom might be manifest more and more. Come and allow God's Spirit to minister to you and manifest His kingdom more and more in your life and in our church and in this nation. May God bless each of you. You've been listening to a sermon from Hills Baptist Church. To find out more or to hear other great content, find us at hillsbaptist.com or on your podcast app.